Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel. Today I'm here with Gasly. Hello. This is my second interview with a pet, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> but not a bunny, yeah. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I'm glad we brought the bunny instead of the boa. That was... <laughs> yeah, we tried that and it like ah, at me. Yeah, it took a it took a good bite at you. It was, it was it was definitely down to fuck you up. I don't know why. It was usually he's really nice, but he is still a boa constrictor. So, so you were born in Buckeye, Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I was born in Phoenix, Arizona oh. originally. But Buckeye is uh, a lot of my growing up. Yeah. Yeah. And your parents are from Arizona as well. Uh huh. Did they start the farm when you were like already growing up there? Um, how long have they had the good farm? The farm goes all the way back to uh, uh, 1909. Oh wow. It's, yeah, wait. It's been in my family for a long time. I'm the first one to like divert away from it. Actually, <laughs> like I still I still have a like a lot of interest in the farm, and I and you know I I show I definitely support it as much as I can, but. Music was always what I really, really, really wanted to do. So. Yeah. Uh, you helped a lot on the farm when you were growing up, right? Like setting up stalls or like sewing stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I so oh. Ooh. Sorry, I got, I got bunny hair in my nose. <laughs> I sold all kinds of things. Like uh, I sold like chocolate milks to T-shirts to uh, sometimes I would become my own little entrepreneur on my days off and I would still see an opportunity. And I'd go outside with like a laundry basket and I'd turn it upside down, take all the toys I didn't want and just sell them to random kids. Yeah. And random kids would be like, Mom, this little boy over here is selling uh, action figurines. <laughs> I'm like, how much? I'm like, this one's 20, this one's 30. Like really, really jacked up prices. And the, and the kids would, and the mom would just be in the moment. The kid would be in the moment. I'd make fucking, I'd make so much money yeah. those days. I was just like oh. born to be an entrepreneur, I guess. And that's what farm life really taught me yeah. a lot of. How do you describe your parents' personalities? They're both very, very wild and very unique people. Um, <laughs> very, very, very open. And I think that's where I get my, my open book personality from. Mm -hmm. Definitely. They're very open yeah. books. How do you describe yourself back then growing up? Uh, ambitious, excited, mm. and you know, I think everyone had that when they were a kid, when they'd look up in the sky and be like, wow, I'm here, you know, <laughs> like, the like, world's so cool. <laughs> Did you like school growing up? Oh my god, do you smell that ice cream? Yeah. <sighs> Fuck, that smells so good. Did I like school? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I got picked on a lot in the beginning. And then I started to kind of find my friend group around like, uh, like seventh, eighth grade, kind of. Mm -hmm. I was never like the popular kid because I was so fucking weird. But um, I definitely found my footing more, like I think like my sophomore year of high school. That's mm -hmm. when I really started to figure out like the friends who were worth being around, shit like that. Did you have favorite <laughs> subjects? <laughs> yes. Uh, in, in high school? Yeah. Oh, well, minus music. Um, mm -hmm. I'd say English and science oh. were my favorites. And what were you oh, into so before you started music? Uh, I think before music, I was, I, I don't think that was, there was really anything that, that took me by storm before that. There was, uh, 
hear people cooing at the <laughs> You're so cute. You have no idea what effect you have on people. <laughs> I really like drawing. Drawing, actually. Oh, drawing yeah. was like a big thing for me. Um, I remember once when, when I was a kiddo, my, uh, my, my parents left me at home for a day with my, with my sisters, and I was just drawing all day. And I took all of my drawings and I put them all over the refrigerator. I covered the refrigerator with my drawings. And my parents came home. I was like, Mom, Dad, look what I made. And they went, Good job, David. Good job. I had drawn, like, these monsters eating families, like, decapitating oh, people. And, like, and they're just, like, laughing at them, like, ha, 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 while people are on fire. And they're like, what's wrong with my son? We got one of those serial killer kids. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And you did like, was it murals? I saw you like tweeted a picture recently. Yeah, yeah, that one, um, that one was actually a recreation of a painting I did a long time ago that someone wanted on their wall. But the fact that I was like down, I was just like, yeah, dude, I'll come and repaint it like almost 50 times larger, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I miss drawing so much. It's so fun. Mm -hmm. I, I try to find time for it. It's just difficult, you mm -hmm. know? between everything. What kind of music were your parents playing in the house when you were growing up? That's a good question. You know, my sisters would play a lot of country. My dad hated country. My dad really loved the oldies. Mm. Oldies like, love shack, shit like that. <laughs> love shack, yeah. That was the, that was the fire. <laughs> and um, we, would, we would do that kind of stuff all the time. Oh, that's a cool one. They always oh, change yeah. up these murals. But yeah, a lot of oldies, a lot of low rider. Mm -hmm. That, that was like his favorite. Um, and my brother would always play metal. He'd like mm. secretly play metal for me. Like ACDC, Metallica, Megadeth, Pantera, Anthrax, things like this. Oh, so that's how you found Megadeth because you started oh, listening yeah. to a lot of Yeah, when my metal. brother got into it. My brother got me into metal. And then my sisters would always bring me either country music, which I really couldn't connect with. I, could, I can't connect mm -hmm. with like commercial country. I totally fuck with like Willie Nelson and... You know, some Elvis Presley songs are a little slightly kind of country-ish. But ultimately, what they what they brought to the table for me was, uh, like, hip-hop and pop music. Yeah. Yeah, they brought me a lot of a lot of different styles of hip-hop. And uh, even, like, Venga Boys and stuff like that. So, like, boom, 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 boom. I'm with you in my room. <laughs> Shit like that. Because it was like, and then all, I feel like that's what my music style kind of is it's just a big mashup of all of these different things like really happy but also really dark really weird but also you know like well organized and mm. things like this yeah and then that's how you formed your first band right in school like the irish yeah the irish front yeah and mm -hmm. you were the vocalist yep i was doing the <laughs> i was doing the lows and the highs mm -hmm. the oh, ah. <laughs> And you got a fan base from that, right? Because you were able to tour. Yeah, there's actually, uh, every now and then, there's a fan who comes up to me at a show, and he's like, dude, boom, snap, clap, which was like one of our big songs as Irish Friday. He's like, dude, you're the, you, I can't believe this is the same person. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I can't believe you still know about it. <laughs> you know? So you were taking time off school to do that, or was that after high school? That was during high school. That mm -hmm. was, I was in high school. We tried to drop out. We tried to get our drummer to drop out so we could fully commit because we had a manager who really wanted to take us on. We had a sponsorship from like Hurley. We had oh, all wow. these. We had all these great things going for us. Like um, we were offered a tour with like uh, with like a, it was like a Blink One Eighty Two opening slot, 
And we were, just, I was huge. like, let's, let's do this, you guys, let's do it. And our drummer was too young. He wouldn't drop out, which I can understand. But still, like, find a way. There was a way. He could have taken online classes, but mm. chose not to. His family told him not to. And so the band fell apart, and I wasn't done with music. Yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't just going to give up. So I, after two years of stagnant shows and just kind of not no growth at all, I was like, all right, well, I'm quitting, and mm. I'm moving to L.A., and but that's during, it. Yeah. During that time you were in, a, in that band, you were also just, you learned how it was like to just like live in a van, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. With... with with seven people in total yeah. nonetheless instead of just one you know <laughs> we would have to puzzle ourselves onto the floor to like make room for everyone wow. because we couldn't even afford hotels we were getting paid like like 150 dollars a night between mm -hmm. five people and a pizza that's pretty much what we get yeah for for these shows where we drove ourselves mm -hmm. across the country we drove to new york and back twice playing i think somewhere around like uh like 85 shows in total on those two tours Whoa. and just making like 100 to 250 i remember one time we made 350 and we were like dude we're doing it we're really making the money now it's like oh my god yeah what did your parents think of the whole thing initially oh they hated it yeah. oh they hated the metal they really didn't like it because <laughs> uh, excuse me you know as much as they wanted to support the uh my musical tastes they just could not get into the death metal shit they could not mess with it they would they would come to the show and they'd be like david this is this is not our vibe there's literally pentagrams on the walls and people beating the shit out of each other how are we supposed to support this you guys don't understand me you guys don't understand me mom <laughs> How about you being a musician itself? Did they mind that? Oh, yeah. No, they were glad that I oh, had nice. a passion for music. They thought that was great. But yeah. as soon as I picked up a microphone, it went, they were like, oh, God, what's wrong with it? <laughs> they asked that question many times. <laughs> Did you go to college for like a really, really short time? Yeah, I went for like uh, one, one term, like yeah. not, not even a full year. I think I did I did just like uh like a semester and that was it. <laughs> was this after your, your band? No, I was still in the band at oh. that point. I I wanted it to I want I thought, you know, do do the thing everyone tells you to do, which is go to college after high school because you have to for some reason. Get yourself in debt. It's really fun. And um I ended up wasting I think uh like like $15,000 just going to a place where I was like, I don't like any of this shit. None of this inspires me. None of this makes me feel anything. Why am I learning it? Like, it, and they're like, because you have to, because you have to. And I'm just like, uh, I'm pretty sure high school is the last thing that you have to do. Yeah. Everything after that is kind of you playing the game of life and figuring it out for yourself. So I did spend $15,000 learning that I did not need college <laughs> and that anything that I wanted to do for a living was probably going to be uh, either tattooing you know, because art, music, because however, I, I didn't know how I was going to do it, but somehow music or uh, working on the family's farm. Mm. So did you have a major that you were going to be? No, just You're business. Just, oh, business. I, I, I got better at drawing by taking meteorology courses <laughs> just to show you how much I gave a fuck about college. <laughs>
And then after they decided not to go, you went straight to LA. Yeah, when I when I gave up on that, I was just like, all right, that's it. I'm buying a van. I'm moving to LA. I can't do this anymore. After so many years of working on the goat farm, and that was that was kind of the beginning of of it all for me. And that's where it all really kind of uh, like I'll never forget that first time I was driving to LA and I had all my shit in my van, and I was just like. We'll see what happens. I, but I was so excited. I was just like, yes. I have no idea who lives out. I don't know anyone out here. I don't have any friends in L.A. We're just going to see what happens. And that was just so exciting for me. I was really, yeah. really, I was really, really stoked on it. <laughs> A lot of people are scared when they make their first move. Oh, you're giving me little kisses, baby. <laughs> oh, you're being so good. Yes, you are. <laughs> And you already knew Ableton by then? No. <laughs> I actually learned about Ableton by moving to L.A. Oh. Mm -hmm. I, I was working with Reason originally and exporting tracks out of Reason into Audacity, which anyone who knows what that means is going to say, that's absolutely terrible. How were you <laughs> even doing that? <laughs> and um, But then my friend uh, Clinton, actually, who I met off of Facebook, moved into my van with me. Oh. Like, he found out what I was doing. He was like, dude, that's awesome. Uh, can I come live in your van with you? And I was like, yeah, dude, absolutely. <laughs> so this total stranger drives from New Mexico to come live in my van with me, became my best friend, and then mentioned Ableton to me one day. He was like, yeah, my friend Brandon, he he makes music on Ableton. And I was like, what's, what's Ableton? He's like, you don't know what that is and you want to be a DJ? And then he showed me and I was like, yes, this is what I've been looking for. And that was it. <laughs> What was the turning point that you realized you wanted to do electronic music? When I started going to raves when I was like mm. 18. Oh. I was like 18 and started checking out raves and I was like, this is fucking awesome. They're crazy, the music right? Music is so hard and intense. Like, I went, I went to a one called uh, Bloodfest in Arizona. Yeah, it was like blood everywhere. People were like blood naked. Blood everywhere. <laughs> and everyone's like wearing nothing. Just <laughs> totally horrifying, actually. And, um, and yeah, there was, there was like a guy in a Grim Reaper costume who like slit this giant tarp open that was at the top of the roof and just blood spilled on everyone while hard style is just, I was just like, oh my God, what is this? This is like way crazier than any metal show I've been to. And it's, and everyone's so nice. <laughs> and everyone's just like, hi, nice to meet you. My name is Butterfly. And they're like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> I remember that night I got rave married to some girl I just met. And the guy like gets on the microphone, like in front of everyone. He's like, I now pronounce you as bad wife. You kiss the bride. He's like screaming while there's blood being sprayed everywhere. And I kissed this girl I didn't even know. I was like, what the fuck just happened? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh man. And that's when I was like, this is, this is special. I like whatever is happening here. I yeah. want to be a part of it. How long after until you met Static Revenge? Static Revenger I met uh, off of uh, Craigslist, actually. Um, because I, went, I would go on Craigslist and I'd just type in uh, producer or... Uh, DJ or anything like that that I could find in like odd jobs on Craigslist. I think I met him in 2004, 2013 actually. Early, early 2013. And then he introduced you to 
What's that? Sullivan oh, yeah. King. Sullivan okay. King was the first person he introduced me to. And um, through Sullivan King and and him taking me out to uh, Icon Collective to kind of mm -hmm. like, because I never knew anyone who really wanted the exact same thing as me. No one wanted the exact same thing as me in my friend group. All of my friends were like models and actors and producers and directors, which is fine. But you know, none of them understood like the music I'd make or the things I would say about the direction I wanted to go, you know, they'd say, their responses would typically be along the lines of like, uh, oh, you want to be a DJ? Well, good luck. So does everyone and their mom. And it's like, wow, that's real <laughs> encouraging, friend. You know? <laughs> and while you were still living in a van, you were trying to apply to jobs, but like oh, going yeah. to Jack in the Box, showering there. Oh yeah, I, I, got, I got every job I ever had from Craigslist. And I got fired from every job I ever had because I'm not good at having regular jobs. Yeah. <laughs> really bad. Uh, excuse me. And then your first big break was your song on Alza, right? Yeah, I think I think Crank It did a lot. Crank It Crank It was probably the the first time that I really saw people like starting to say, Hey, I like Ghastly. I was like, like I'd open my Twitter feed and I saw that, I'd be like, What? You like me? <laughs> That's, they're not talking about the Pokemon, right? No, they're talking about me. And it caught me off guard. Yeah. And that's when I started seeing like, there was a shift and that people actually were interested. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started working my absolute hardest. Oh, but did you move back home, right? Or this was before that? That was, that was after, that oh. happened after. Why did you decide to move back home? Oh, cause I was broke. Mm. I was out of money. I was out of opportunities. I was, out of energy, I was out of ambition. I was completely beat down. Yeah. I had been out here for like three years. So you were home and were you just the whole time thinking about moving back to LA or? Pretty much, yeah. like the whole, like as soon as, well actually as soon as I got back, and this was after three years of being in LA, as soon as I got back to Arizona because I blew it, and I blew it, it was my fault. I, I spent all my money on like oh, yeah. partying, I did not have my focus anymore that I once did when I first got here. And then uh, after I got back to Arizona, I decided that I was just going to give up for a little bit. For, for a couple of days, I was like, I should just give up. I'm like, fuck it. That, I tried. At least I gave it the shot. And, and I don't know, just one day, I was, I was sitting there and I was like, that's not me. That, I don't, I'm not just going to give up like that. And I decided to give it one more big shot. So I saved up all my money for about nine months and tried it again. Mm -hmm. And this time I, I cut out all the partying, I cut out all the BS, all the nonsense, all the fake friends, all the, all the, I need to go out to connect. Mm. Like, yes, that can help you. Going out can definitely help you find a good connection in the industry, but that's, it's just the, it's the worst mindset. Because if you're going out and you're just going out to have fun and then you meet someone, that's so much different than if you go out with this kind of like hunter's mentality, like, I gotta find someone in the industry, otherwise my night was a waste, you know? And it's just like, that. and I just decided to completely cut that out and just focus on writing music and getting better at, you know, having that portfolio of music because the songs you write are the weapons that you take onto the battlefield of the music industry and you got to make sure you make good ones mm -hmm. 
You don't want to go out there with a stick and a rock. Yeah. Did you get some jobs when you first moved here then? I, I worked I worked back, back into the restaurants, back to being a host. I think the last one, the last two I had, I had two jobs. I was a server and a host. I was a host at Morton's Steakhouse and I was a server at the Daily Grill in downtown LA. And, oh man. <laughs> just, I just really, really, like, I feel like if I was president, I would make sure everyone had to do at least three months of being a server before they graduate high school. Like, that's the last thing you have to do to, like, prepare you for the real world. Because yeah. no one, no one cares about your fucking feelings. No one cares about your opinions. You're there to do your job, get shit on by random customers all day, and then maybe you'll make minimum wage and some decent tips. And that's the reality of the world. The reality of the world doesn't give a shit about, you know, all that other nonsense. Mm -hmm. And um, it really toughened me up. It toughened me up a lot because it gets you used to, you know, being treated like garbage. And sometimes that's what happens to you when you're trying to come up in an industry, in any industry, I feel like, you know, because you're new. And, it, oh, you want, you want this career? Well, you're going to have to go through the throws. And that's what it really, really got me ready for. Mm -hmm. And boy, did I get treated like crap a lot <laughs> and I think and it it's, it's just comes with the territory you got to expect it but you, you take the blows and then you move forward mm -hmm. how did you get your music out there initially the second time oh just like hanging out at Icon Collective was definitely the big part of that because that was the first time I got to share my music with other people who oh. had the same goal so you know? they were showing and then blogs started picking it up or and then um, Bygore started hanging around Icon Collective, Bygore picked up me and Sullivan King's song, and uh, that was my first release on a record label that I felt like was really moving me forward in the last, like, three years. Mm. So I was really, really happy right there. And then um, wrote Crank It with Miha, and uh, that, was, that one went out on Alza, and that one really changed things, and then I, at that point, I was just living on a couch. I was living on my friend's couch, just writing as many songs as I could. I couldn't, couldn't have done it if uh, he hadn't let me sleep on his couch. There's no way. Mm -hmm. if, he had, if he had not let me sleep on his couch, I definitely would have had to have worked so many more day jobs that I wouldn't have written any songs oh, wow. during. Mm -hmm. there's, no, there's no way. So it, it, it definitely changed everything. Could you elaborate? Oh, look, a Hulk magazine. Oh. <laughs> How do you see that? Yeah. Aww. <laughs> Thank you so much. Aww. Damn it. Oh, it's just the cover. Yeah. <laughs> I was all stoked. Yeah. Oh, this looks like Wu Tang. You see that? Oh, yeah. Holy shit. This paper plate looks like Wu Tang. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> this journey we have. <laughs> oh my god. The world's so fascinating. <laughs> Look at the ground. <laughs> Look at this garbage. The main inspirations behind your album? Oh, the inspirations behind the album were just life in general, I think. Mm -hmm. Like the whole, like anything that I experienced as a person. Oh, look, Apex Twin! <laughs> yeah. Favorite fucking producer ever, right there. Apex <laughs> Twin. If you don't know Apex Twin, you should look up Apex Twin because. He makes he he makes everything. He makes the darkest, most fucked up beats. And he also makes the most beautiful, like awe-inspiring beats. Like the happiest, the saddest, the angriest, the most fun, the funkiest. 
he's a savant mm. uh, as as a lot of people would define him and and I and that's what one of the things I aspire towards he actually inspired me a lot because he makes happy sad angry fun funky everything and that's what the mystifying oracle album kind of is you know there's like really pretty really sad really happy really angry you know a lot of everything mm -hmm. how did you decide who to have on your album oh it just would happen naturally mm -hmm. like for uh for crank dat he just hit me up one day he's like hey you want to collab and i'm like perfect yes i need i need some collabs for this album and then um there was another one after that that was uh, Dr. Fresh. He and I worked on that track a long time ago. We just finally decided to release it. Who else? Barely Alive. We just kind of like just started working together one day. It's, it's bizarre. And uh, like with Shaylin on All Wait, having her vocals, that was literally just like, uh, that was just, she came over one day because my friend knew her. And she started singing and playing the piano. Whoa, bunny, almost jumped off. Um, and she started singing and playing the piano one day. And uh, I was just like, wow, you're really fucking good. Can you try singing on this song? And she immediately started singing like that. And I was like, yes, very good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and how about your inspiration for the art itself? Um, that, that inspiration actually came from India. I was in India and I saw a lot of a lot of these beautiful six-armed goddesses, and um, you know, like as I thought that. And there's also a lot of there's lots of different cultures that have uh, multi multi-armed like uh, entities, and I wanted to create my own, kind of like from her own realm, her own like kind of spirit and all that. And uh, that's that's really where like, and then I wanted it to all like tie into this idea of this demon that is summoned from another realm who's called the mystifying oracle mm -hmm. and that's really where the direction came from oh and job for a cowboy i really like job for a cowboy and they have some really great art and uh a little tiny tiny piece of that is inspired by that you said previously that you had imposter syndrome do you still feel like you have it or not no <laughs> <laughs> i think the imposter syndrome is kind of faded away at this point mm -hmm. um like this is my life now yeah. and and i but i love it you know I've, I've got i've just gotten used to it a lot of friends will be like how do you how do you do it how do you live like that how could you do it every day it's like how do you do your job every day you get used to it it's at first there's like some learning curves and there's like you know, there's moments where you're like, what am I doing? How do I do this? Does it make any sense? Blah, blah, blah. Sorry, I keep getting bunny hair. Oh, yeah, I see it. <laughs> you see it? Do I have like a little bunny mustache? Oh, I think it's gone now. Or okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just like that. Everything takes mm -hmm. time, and then I just got used to it. It Are just you, became yeah. a part of me. Are you ever afraid of being so vulnerable online? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't that's the whole reason I would do it was to show how many fucks I gave. Like I would always show like the deepest, darkest parts of my personal life from like my, my worst moments, you know, that are like, that happened to me like six years ago. I'll happily share that publicly today because it, it helped. I don't see any other artists really showing how they got to where they are or anything like that. And I feel like that's really important to share with a fan base because they, a lot of, I remember when, 
before I had my career, I would look at all these artists and be like, are they, are they like selling their souls to Satan? Are they, you know, do they know someone? Is that how they got there? Or, you know, like, were they ever just human? And, uh, and I wanted to be the opposite of that. I wanted to make sure that people knew that I was a human, that I have a past and that I, I blew it many, many times in order to get where I am. It's not like I just fucking woke up and was like, oh, I got a great idea. I'll call myself Gasly and I'll make this song called Crankin' and then I'll sign with us. I'm there. Oh, no, I'm there. No. I wanted to just show that I was who I was instead mm-hmm. of who I wanted them to think I was. And then if someone wanted to say something mean to me, there's no words you can say to hurt me that I haven't experienced in real life. So I can handle mean comments on the internet. Mm -hmm. I actually, I welcome them. I I just recently unblocked every single person that I had ever blocked on Twitter because fuck it. The more I see it, the less it hurts. And the more I welcome it, the better I get at responding to it. And... It's a win-win situation. Mm-hmm. How would you see Bruno as a person since you were younger? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely used to be way crazier. Way crazier. A lot of people think I'm crazy now. Oh, boy. You have no <laughs> idea. I was way more insane when I was like... When I was 19, I was very, 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 very crazy. I, uh, I just about almost killed myself. Oh. Like, not like intentionally. Mm-hmm. But just from the decisions I'd make, like, over and over and over, just making terrible decisions on a regular basis. Yeah. But <laughs> I guess I had to make all those in order to learn how to not make them. <laughs> <laughs> how would you say your music has changed since the early songs you made? I'd say it's matured quite a bit. I'd say it's developed more storyline, less randomness, a lot more intention, and uh, yeah, just more mature. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's a lot more mature than it used to be. Yeah. yeah. What does love mean to you? Depends on who I'm saying it to. If I'm saying it to my friend or my mom or my pet, those are all three very different kinds of love. Um, but if you mean it as a general broad term, it means it's the only thing that we need, apparently, according to Mr. Lennon. Mr. John Lennon. (laughs) (laughs) Last question. What do you want to be remembered for? Um, that's a, that's a tough question. Mm -hmm. Uh, my, I guess, I guess the, the typical answer would be like, I want to be remembered for my contributions to humanity and my songs and my goals and all that. But what I really want to be remembered for is how I've touched people's lives on a personal level how I've affected people on their day-to-day basis, you know? Like, for all the people who listened to a song and then it changed the way they felt that day and then their day got better, I want them to remember that, you know? Not like, you know, not like a sadness or anything, not a melancholy, not a, not a nostalgia, but like a remembrance that things can get better no matter what and you have to use, you have to look to the people in your life and the people who inspire you in order to feel that way you know yeah i love that thank you so much yeah absolutely